0: Part three of the AFC West opponent preview is brought to you by our sponsors SeatGeek and MyBookie. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of looking all over the web for on sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for all the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale from zero to ten to let you know you're getting the best bang for your buck and they they grade them with the colors. Green and marks great deals, yellow dots, good deals, red dots, not so good. Use promo code ACAA as an armchair All-American at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. We're also brought to you by MyBookie. Whether you like MLB, MMA, golf, or anything else, MyBookie is the place to bet. Their mobile site is easy to use and allows you to make bets from anywhere. No hassle, no waiting line, no need to get off the couch. And I know that's an appealing thing for a lot of us out there, including a uh, guy like myself. MyBookie wants you to have as much fun as possible this summer. And what's more fun than winning money while watching sports? Just visit MyBookie.ag today to get started. Then try your luck at outsmarting the odds makers. But wait. If you deposit with promo code BEARS100, my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BEARS100. Betting 100, now you've got 150. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. My guest today for the part three of our AFC West preview, Travis Wakeman from fansided.com's Bolt Beat. And uh, Travis did confess to me. That he is uh, just a beat writer for the Chargers. He's actually a Broncos fan. So back to back Broncos fan, but this one has been a beat writer for the Chargers for the last four years. So we might have, we might not have what we've had with previous guests with the wees and us's when we refer to our favorite teams uh, and whatnot. Travis's uh, uh, his allegiance, his heart lies elsewhere, but it's it's his job to follow the Chargers. So that's who we've got to help us with this uh, with this uh, Charger. Uh, preview and help us uh, what happened. Uh, help us figure out what happened with the Chargers uh, last year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. It's the 2019 preview of the San Diego Chargers AFC West opponent preview number three. This offseason know? train keeps rolling right along. As we edge ever so closely to and if, to the uh, training to training camp the the you know the 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 regulars the preseason into the regular season I'm so excited I can barely talk uh, today What's going on everybody Larry D back part three of our AFC West preview this time chronicling the 2019 San Diego Chargers Travis uh, Travis Wakeman from Fansided.com's Bolt Beat will be joining us here in just a few moments to uh to help us along with that uh preview and uh the Chargers were an interesting team last year they got off to a really slow start I think 0-3 0-4 something like that before they kind of slowly but surely chipped away uh at the uh at the rest of the league and and it's seemingly somehow caught up to the buzzsaw that was the Kansas City Chiefs and uh Uh, You know, had a big win over the Chiefs at the end of the year on Thursday night football uh, on the road in Arrowhead uh, as well. And then uh, ran into another buzzsaw called the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium in the divisional round. And uh, that's probably where I'll start my conversation with Travis is what the hell happened there. How did a team that had played so well and and fought through, uh, you know, diversity uh, in one scenario or another and come away with every road victory fall and crash as hard as they did against the patriots and many people thought that san diego had the best chance of anyone in the afc to dethrone them and for them to go out there and be and to make most of those people so so wrong in that performance to be laughed off the field essentially by the uh, by the soon to be nfl champions the, the super bowl champs uh the patriots in the way that they did it was 35 to 7 at halftime it's like the chargers never got off the bus uh somehow how could a team that was a perfect 9 and 0 on the road including a victory in the wild card game the week before at baltimore a team that had previously beaten the chargers uh you know how did how did it all go so wrong and how did it go so wrong so quickly the way that it did i mean that game got out of hand in a hurry uh in in foxborough so travis to help us uh you know, coloring the lines on that one to find out uh, how it went sideways, what the Chargers have done in the offseason and in the draft and what to look forward to uh, in 2019. But uh, before we get to that, a uh, couple of news and notes. The Bears started minicamp uh, this week, and um, it's uh, it's our boys are ready to get after it, guys. Let me just tell you this. I was just looking on Twitter, and, and Zach Pearson, uh, who's a beat writer for the Bears, says, uh, Matt Nagy talked about how his guys really wanted to get get the pads on and compete right now. During a a drill, Trubisky appeared to hit uh, Taylor Gabriel for a touchdown, but a ref ruled it incomplete. Both sides made their argument, and they were pretty animated about it and fired up. So, I mean, it's like if the guys care that much about what's going down in practice, if they're competing that hard before the pads come on, imagine what it's going to be like when it starts to matter, when it starts to count, and when it's time to really get after it. I mean, if they're passionate about, they're, if they're that passionate about what they're doing right now, it, it it gets you really excited about what could happen, uh, you know, so close to the future when when things, uh, really get, uh, underway. So, um, let's see, do we have anything else? Oh yeah, <laughs> HBO has finally made their decision, or finally tricked the team into being their hard knock squad uh for 2019 there were rumors circulating that it was going to be the lions uh last week but apparently the official announcement has come out and it will in fact be the oakland raiders so uh john gruden and company are are inviting the hbo uh a, a peek behind the curtain uh that is the silver and black and and, and finding out uh how they're going to navigate their way through the preseason and, and into the regular season uh, what kind of uh, drama will the Raiders be able to provide uh, the NFL faithful that watches that show regardless of your fan allegiance? I, I don't miss an episode of hard knocks it's It's way too interesting not to. Uh, hopefully the all or nothing show that Amazon does, which chronicles the team from the year before it'll this year it will be the 2018 uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, the only thing wrong with the all or nothing is that we all know we already know how the season turned out and we know that the the Carolina Panthers started hot they were 6 and 2 at 1 point and they finished the year either they finished the year 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 one of the two they went they lost like 6 7 yeah they lost 7 in a row so they went uh 6 and they went th- 7 and 9 i believe is what it was that they lost they went 6 and 2 they lost 7 in a row only to win their meaningless week 17 matchup over the Saints uh i believe to finish uh 7 and 9 so it was a disastrous second half of the year for the Panthers and, and Cam Newton with the shoulder injury, should they sit him, should they, you know, let him keep playing, try to protect him, uh, what have you. Uh, hopefully that will be, I mean, it's they're excellent shows. It's NFL films either way. And if anyone knows how to put a show on, uh, it's NFL films. They get the job done. So I'm, I'm eager to watch both. All or Nothing should be out sometime next month in July, usually before training camp starts. And then obviously Hard Knocks is basically through, Uh, the preseason and training camp and into the preseason before the year uh, begins. So uh, looking forward to watching both of those shows. And um, Khalil Mack dodged the bullet for someone who doesn't like being uh, in the spotlight uh, very much. He doesn't have to have a bunch of uh, HBO cameras uh, following him around, uh, which he most likely would have been if he was still a member uh, of the Oakland Raiders. And uh, let's see. Let me scroll through. Do we have anything else? Nope, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. So uh, that'll be it for, for uh, news and notes. Like I said, it's a, it's a quiet time uh, of year. And, um, you know, maybe I'll come up with something to, uh, to fill this in for the, for the Chiefs episode, which will be in a few days. Uh, Greg Florkowski from Arrowhead Addict, also from com, will be uh, joining me for that show. That one will drop on Friday. Uh, So be on the lookout uh, for that. Uh, Travis and I are going to go ahead and get to this conversation about the San Diego Chargers. So let's go ahead and step aside and welcome our new guest, Travis Wakeman from fansided.com's Bolt Beat to preview the 2019 San Diego Chargers. Part number three of our AFC West preview takes us out west to Los Angeles, the, the home again of the L.A. Chargers. They started off in L.A., moved to San Diego, and everyone forgets that they even started in L.A., but now they're back in Los Angeles uh, playing in the smallest stadium in the history of the National Football League. But they were a 12-4 and playoff team last year, and here to help us chronicle that team and what they have ahead in 2019 from uh, fansided.com's Bolt Beat, we have Travis Wakeman here to help us out. Travis, how are we doing?
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: Very good. Very good. And, um, you know, I, I, I do, uh, I know you, you You. confessed to me earlier that um, you aren't, in fact, a Chargers fan. You are actually a Broncos fan, but Bolt Beat is you being a beat writer and covering the Chargers. How long have you been covering the team?
1: Uh, since February of 2016.
0: Okay. All right. So this would be what year four for you, covering yep,
1: them. Going in yep. Okay. Going into year four. yeah.
0: And uh, was it? Um, I, I, I said earlier in my open that the Chargers started zero and three, zero and four, and made the playoffs last year. And then I pulled up the schedule to see that that was not the case. But I'm pretty sure it was the Chargers. Did they start? Was it 2017 that they started zero and three or zero and four and almost made the playoffs?
1: Yes, 2017 they started one and four. They they got a three win in four. week two. They blew out the Jaguars, but did lose three in a row after that.
0: I see. Okay, but last year they started off one and two. Then they won six in a row, and they were pretty much keeping pace with the Chiefs in the AFC West uh, throughout the uh, remainder of the season, finishing with identical 12 and four records. Just that the uh, the Chiefs were five and one in the division. The Chargers were four and two. So the Chiefs take the AFC West. Uh, last year so let's talk about this team Uh, last year in in 2018 like you said they started off one and two they rattle off those six victories they are they're they're running side by side with the juggernaut of the NFL that was the Kansas City Chiefs they have a perfect road record including a wild card victory over the Baltimore Ravens then they get to the divisional round they're headed to New England and Gillette Stadium to take on the Patriots and many people, experts, fans, amateurs, whatever you want to call them, many people thought that this was the best shot in most cases for the Patriots to be eliminated by this L.A. Charger team that had pretty much been hot all year and an undefeated road team on top of it. Then they run into Tom Brady and company and essentially never get off the bus. What happened in that game where the Chargers essentially didn't show up? It was 35-7 to at halftime.
1: Yeah, I was one of those people that thought that it was the day that the Chargers or the Patriots dynasty was going to take a big hit. I thought that the, you know, like you said, undefeated road record, I thought that we were going to see the big upset on that day. But I think you have to start with just giving the Patriots a lot of credit sure. um, for being as good as they are. They've they've done what they've done for a reason. Um, they've had that extra week of preparation by getting that first week you know that that buy in the first week and uh given Bill Belichick a lot of people ask how did the Patriots hold the Rams to a field goal in a Super Bowl you know that's that's why they've you know Belichick's got two weeks to prepare for for teams like that and as good of an offensive guru as Sean McVay is he got fairly exposed in that game and you know I think the same thing happened to the Chargers on that day they were able to mask weaknesses on both the offensive line and defensive line for much of the season. And both both those units took a big hit on that day. Um, The the Patriots only got two sacks in that game, but you would have thought they had a lot more just by watching it. I mean, it seemed like Rivers was under pressure on just about every throw. He attempted 51 passes in that game and only completed 25. And his accuracy is usually much better than that. And you know trying to stop the run, uh Sonny Michelle seemed like he had about four hundred yards rushing in that game that's just what it seemed like because there was a gaping hole nearly every time he got the ball, so they just took advantage of the two major weaknesses that the team had
0: wow i mean it's i mean obviously you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. Belichick seems to be able to uh, figure out his opponents at just about every turn and As far as the Super Bowl is concerned, I will go ahead and take credit for the Bears because it was the Bears that I think exposed the Rams on Sunday Night Football in that big uh, matchup where they, you know, 15-6, to and they they ended up shutting the Rams down on that one. Um, But you're right. I mean, Belichick just followed the blueprint, and he did it even better than the Bears did because the Bears cut him down to six. Belichick held him to three, and it took them practically the entire game to get those 3 points. So he just took the Bears model and perfected it and it got him another ring uh that they just uh, they just cracked the seal on those. Have you seen Super Bowl ring the Super Bowl rings lately are ridiculous. Just how I did see those. just <laughs> insane. I mean, I know they've got six rings and they got to put six trophies on it or anything, but this this isn't a ring you can wear anywhere. I mean, they're so huge. No. And, God, you can see these things from space. It's kind of ridiculous uh, how big <laughs> it is, is. uh how about how big the rings have gotten uh, in the last fifteen years or so. But um, you know, when we when I looked at the the highlights of that game because I actually didn't get a chance to. Uh, watch it thanks to the Bears uh, tragic uh, ending I was actually recording my my year in review episode that afternoon while that game was going on and then I got a text from a buddy of mine as I was finishing up the episode it's already 35 to 7 uh, at halftime and you know it wasn't so much that the Chargers lost the game we everybody knew that that was a possibility I mean it is the Patriots that we're talking about but for them to be essentially never even have gotten off the bus to be to be blasted the way that they did and, and exploited uh, however it was that Belichick and company were doing. It. I think that was the most surprising aspect of that victory for the Patriots was making it look so easy like the Chargers weren't the team that they'd been all year long.
1: Yeah. Um, final score was 41-28, to 28, so the Chargers did make the scoreboard look a little bit more respectable, but it was never that close. They got punched in the mouth from the opening kick and never knew what hit them. And they've had the entire offseason to, you know, go with that sour taste in their mouth. And that's something they can use as motivation. They'd missed the playoff something like six years in a row. So getting that experience as bad as it was is something that can be turned into a positive.
0: Oh, trust me. I know all about that. I I, I envision uh, in the future, like a year or so, a year plus from now when the America's game for the 2019 Super Bowl champion comes out it will start with the bears missing that field goal against the chargers and that's where the journey to winning the super bowl this year began was where 2018 ended that's where 2019 began and so on if it's the chargers i very much imagine that could be the case here they are they got steamrolled on national tv you know embarrassed off the field never mind the 13-point deficit it was a 28-point game at halftime and the the journey from to the world championship began from that point I definitely can see the parallels between you know where the Bears would look at their tragic ending and how the the Chargers would see theirs to uh, to get to uh, higher heights in, in this upcoming season absolutely so we we go into the off season, and it was a fairly inactive one Uh, for the chargers and and i was trying to see you know were there any major moves uh, that they made i mean they brought in tyrod taylor to be the backup quarterback Uh, they re-signed a couple of their own guys and brandon mebane and adrian phillips Uh, thomas davis was signed from the carolina panthers that's probably more of a veteran leadership thing a locker room guy uh kind of thing and then you also didn't lose much tyro williams defects to the to the raiders darius phillon goes to the uh, cardinals and jason Verrett uh, goes back to San Francisco that was pretty much it so it seemed like it was more of a if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of off season because the Chargers didn't really make any moves that would impact the roster in a big way
1: no not at all when that uh, you know the free agents friend create frenzy starts you know everybody's sitting around wanting to know who their team's going to sign and there seemed to be a lot of angst that the Chargers weren't making any major moves but that's because it's a team that knows that it's close. Um, they know that the window is wide open, and they believe in what they have in place. You know, they—I guess Thomas Davis would be the big move they made. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, like you touched on, that's a veteran leadership thing. They've got a great group, of, great group uh, of young linebackers. You know, four or five guys that can step up and make some plays, but they need that veteran leadership to you know, learn some guidance from. And that's the whole reason they brought Davis in. He's played in Super Bowls. He's played in Pro Bowls. He's played next to Luke Keekly. So there's nothing wrong with that move. Um, As far as the the guys that they lost, I think most of those were expected. Tyrell Williams right now I see is the toughest to replace just because there isn't a, a solid number three wide receiver on the roster. I mean, Travis Benjamin is there, but He's really, in my opinion, he's really a one-trick pony. He can, He's a heck of a deep threat, but he's not much else. So I'm looking for another young guy to step up and maybe win the number three receiver job during camp this year. But aside from that, yeah, they, they're a team that knows they've got a solid group of guys, and... You know, if you were to predict the 53-man roster right now, you could probably get 50 of them right off the bat. (laughs) There aren't a lot of secrets with this team. Uh, There aren't any question marks.
0: Yeah, I was looking at – I go to sporttrack.com a lot. It's a wonderful website if you're looking for any kind of uh, inside information on, like, contracts and things like that. And the one thing I noticed when I was looking at the Chargers is that, um, you know, Phillip Rivers is signed through next year, but the core – of the team like the the top players you have on the squad are signed through at least 2021 so this is probably going to be the tail of the tape for the chargers in the offseason for the next couple of years since basically the guys that are going to get them where they want to go are in with the team for at least the next three seasons
1: yeah they've got a big decision to make with melvin gordon they're they're supposedly working on an extension with him right now and the hope is that that will get done but aside from that, yeah, they've they've got a solid group of guys in place, and you know, like I say, they know that window is open.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it is it's the AFC, so it's it's a tough hill to climb simply because Brady and the the Patriots exist uh, right now. And I was I really was so hoping that San Diego, excuse me, LA, the Chargers. I'm sure that <laughs> happens a lot. Um, the Chargers, yeah, uh, that the Chargers were going to be that team uh, that would take the Patriots down and uh, absolve us of uh, another Patriot Super Bowl or Patriot victory, God forbid, which is what ended up happening uh, because the ch- the Chiefs uh, forgot to play defense in the AFC championship game. Um, but, it's, uh, you know, it didn't happen, uh, unfortunately. But it's like if anybody could do it, I, I believe the Chargers are probably – one of the best teams suited for it, if the Chiefs bring to the table the defense that they had a year ago, the Chargers are much better on defense last year than the Chiefs were.
1: And I agree. I think if anybody's going to knock off the Patriots, those are the top two contenders to do it. So it's going to be a battle between those two teams, I believe. And I think getting that home-field advantage, which they missed out on last year,
0: mm-hmm. mainly
1: due to a terrible home loss to the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the difference between them going out early as they did and making it further.
0: Yeah, talk about another parallel that they had with the with the Bears. There were a couple of really close losses in the 4 that you had uh last year. The the one with uh with the Broncos being one that kind of stuck out. I think there was um one earlier. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't a close loss, but losing to the uh Ravens later in the year, that also hurt. Yeah. Uh, as well Um, but it was it's it always seems like there's that one thing if you just won that one game how different the season would have turned out like if the Bears beat the Dolphins in overtime uh, we, we missed a field goal in overtime the Dolphins come back and and they win it and that if we win that game then we're 13 and three we have the bye week the Rams don't who knows what happens from there kind of thing same thing with the with the chargers instead of having to go on the road and play the the ravens they get a week of rest they're hosting uh, a playoff game and then probably don't have to deal and actually probably hosting brady and the patriots in the uh, afc championship game if they won their divisional round game
1: yeah and uh, there was a lot of fans who actually preferred to go on the road because of the Chargers. If there's one team in the NFL that doesn't have a very good home field advantage, it would be the Chargers. You watch watch the games in those soccer state in that soccer stadium, and it seems like half the crowd's dressed in the opposing team's colors. Sure. So there weren't too many people afraid to go to New England, especially because they were nine and zero on the road at that point. But you know, it it may have been a different story if it was in LA.
0: Yeah, is that. Uh... Do you think that the Chargers are going to struggle when they start sharing the stadium with the Rams next year as far as having their own fan base uh, in the building? Or or will they, they, since they're finally home now, instead of renting the soccer stadium that they are uh, at the moment, do you think that will change for them?
1: I think it's all based on how successful you can be. I don't know how many articles we've written about, you know, with a title, something along the lines of the battle for L.A., between the chargers and the Rams. And there was talk of, you know, which team is going to find success first. And of course you have got the Rams who made it to the super bowl last year, but there's a lot to do in LA and there's a lot of other sports teams. You've got LeBron there with the Lakers. You've got the Dodgers who seem to always be contending. You've even got college football with USC that might be more popular than the chargers. So I think if they stay successful, then, then they won't struggle there. But if they start to plummet anytime soon, then people will quickly stop stop caring.
0: Yeah, I think that. um, Well, we have the added benefit of the Rams being as good uh, as they are. But I think that you know it it definitely was more of a homecoming for the Rams. uh, Like I said right at the top, that a lot of people don't realize that the Chargers actually started in Los Angeles. They they pretty much think that San Diego has been their one in. One and only home, and 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 for being honest, that is home for the Chargers. They spent like all but like three years of their entire existence in San Diego, so it really isn't much of a homecoming like it was for the Rams. They you know they started in Los Angeles, actually they started in Cleveland, but the, they made their name in Los Angeles. Then they went to St. Louis, then they come back. So there are people that were still alive the last time that the Rams played uh, called Los Angeles home. So it really was more of a homecoming for them than it was for the chargers for the chargers it was a relocation not so much a homecoming
1: and you know i think there was plenty of people out in that area that wanted the rams back and i saw plenty of people saying that they did not want the chargers so you know spanos knew that but he was determined to get into that market and and you know he made it happen but just to see how many fans in that san diego area that you know, quit following the team altogether. Quit following the league altogether. It's mm. it's just been very sad to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and a big uh, uh, NFL market kind of goes by the wayside now that because uh, a lot of fans just out of bitterness probably didn't follow the team from San Diego to Los Angeles or keep their allegiances.
1: And that that was evident even in our articles. I mean, you know, the the, the leadership that we had prior to that move was great and boy did it take a dip afterwards and you know i can certainly understand why
0: sure yeah i mean it's uh it's it's quite a gut punch if your if your team leaves their home especially under the circumstance where it was so so public and such an ugly battle you know keeping the san diego uh chargers in san diego and it was like they were fighting a losing battle uh, all along and then a decision was finally made the chargers are leaving and that's it and then people either pick new teams or stop caring about football altogether like you said.
1: Yeah, and that was the unfortunate choice that they were all left with. There still have been plenty of them that do still, you know, root for the team and follow the team, but you know, it's not the same. Right. I you know, I I guess I I always just thought, you know, it's still the same state and that was the argument I would make with with people I talked to, you know, it's not like they moved across the country, but the difference between Los Angeles and San Diego is apparently day and night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I hear. Actually. <laughs> I've never been to San Diego. I have been to Los Angeles, not for many, many years, but I, I do hear that the difference between the two cities, the two communities is uh, night and day. So I can uh, kind of understand what they're talking about there. Yeah. So real quick, uh, the draft uh, this year, the, the, the charters 28th pick overall, uh in the first round uh it looks like just the the draft in general was heavy on defense Jerry Tillery your first round pick out of Notre Dame a defensive tackle Nasir Adderley the safety out of Delaware uh Trey Pipkins an offensive tackle from Sioux Falls I know that's in South Dakota but I've never heard of Sioux Falls uh before yeah another uh, linebacker out of Notre Dame drew tranquil in the fourth round Easton Stick, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Uh, that was the heir apparent to uh, Carson Wentz uh, that took over there. And can you tell me the six-round pick's last name? Emike? Agbule. Oh, so it is how it – okay, Agbule. E-G-B-U-L-E. Agbule, linebacker yeah. out of Houston. And then Corta... Cortez Broughton, uh, defense tackle Broughton, out of yeah. – Broughton, there you go, so out of Cincinnati. So – Tell me about Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls. How does a guy from a school I've never heard of before get drafted in the third round?
1: Well, partly because the draft wasn't very deep at that position. I think everybody knew that the team would bring in another right tackle to compete with Sam Tebby. Because Sam Tebby, if if people are going to pick on one player from last year, it would be Sam Tebby. He just looked absolutely terrible in that Patriots loss. And so you knew somebody would come in to compete with him, but I'm not as high on this pick as a lot of people seem to be. Um, I think you probably could have got him in the fifth round, maybe even later. So he definitely offers some upside, but I don't think you're going to see that come to fruition this season for sure. I mean, I could definitely be wrong on that, but I think they'll end up having to go with Tevi at least to begin with.
0: So is he more of a high ceiling kind of pick? You know, a lot of those smaller schools generally are.
1: Yes, and – you know, the the argument is that he didn't allow a sack in his college career, which is true, but, you know, you have to talk about the level of competition there, too. Um, you know, it's impressive to not allow a single sack, and that's what a lot of his uh, supporters point to. But, you know, you're, you're playing at Sioux Falls, so I don't know. You, you're definitely not going against any future professional defenders there, I don't think. Yeah, most likely. At least not many. Uh, yeah.
0: Do you know what division of football that is?
1: it's it's division three, I believe
0: division
1: three.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause we have a guy, a division two guy, a uh, tight end, Adam Shaheen, who was a second round pick for us. Yeah. And of course was labeled, uh, a man amongst boys at division two. And then of course you get to the NFL and he's a boy amongst the men, or at least he has been in his first. <laughs> I two, remember the hype around. The yeah. <laughs> the first two years, uh, he hasn't really shown much to support a second round, uh, draft choice. So, uh, uh, It's going to be an uphill climb for for Trey Pipkins to uh, justify his uh, draft stock. The other uh, pick that really stuck out to me was Easton Stick, and, and not so much because of where he comes from or, or who he is or anything, but the position he plays, especially with all the talk going into the draft about the Chargers being one of the destinations possibly for Josh Rosen. Was that ever a serious thing? Were they ever really considering – Bringing in Josh Rosen, I mean, Philip River is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's he's getting up there in age, and Father Time always wins the race.
1: I think they explored initial talks on that, but from what I remember hearing, the the uh, Cardinals, at least at that time, were, were asking more than they were willing to give for him. They uh, didn't value him as high as apparently the Dolphins did. Um, but the, the, the selection of stick, um, I, I think, is is one that can certainly like, like Pipkins. It could certainly pay off in the future. Um, He'll, he'll sit behind Tyrod Taylor and definitely be able to gain some experience from, from him. And, you know, obviously Rivers is still there and I I don't see Rivers slowing down anytime soon though. I think, I think he's still got a good three to four years left in him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's made more consecutive starts than any player in the league right now. He just does not miss a game. So He's he's a future prospect possibly, um, but I don't think he's going to be Carson Wentz.
0: Sure, sure. But faith is that high that uh, that Rivers is going to be around and maintain his level of performance that we didn't they didn't spend a higher draft choice or you know deeply explore the possibility of maybe bringing in uh, a Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It, I, I think they engaged in initial talks just to. Just to explore the idea, but no, it didn't get serious.
0: Right. So, was you talked a moment ago when when we were talking about free agency and Tyro Williams, and he might be the toughest to replace uh, in that third spot, which would most likely be your like your slot receiver uh, type uh, position. They didn't draft any wide receivers. Did they bring any interesting prospects in on the undrafted free agency side? Um
1: they no they they don't ha- I don't think they've got an undrafted guy who's gonna make the team this year honestly wow uh, and, and they've, they've, been a, they've been a team that uh is known for getting these undrafted guys and and getting at least one of them to make the roster. but I think they've just got a solid you know solid group of guys that it's just gonna be tough they they're a deep team. It's gonna be tough for any of these you know undrafted or late round guys to crack this roster. As far as the number three wide receiver spot goes, they've got some possibilities there. And I think, you know, like you touched on, they would like to have a, a possession-type guy in the slot. You know, you've got uh, last year's sixth-round pick, Dylan Cantrell, is going to be a possibility there. And Artavis Scott, who was Mike Williams' teammate at Clemson, is a guy who I really like. And I, I'd like to see him step up and get a chance to, to win that job, too.
0: So, looking ahead to uh, twenty nineteen, what are some of the storylines that we can look forward to? You know, whether it be uh, position battles in in training camp, or or just something to keep your eye on as we go through uh, the season itself. What are some of the things that you guys are are banging, around over there at uh, Bold Beat to look forward to twenty nineteen?
1: I think the, uh, the the secondary and whether it can be as good as it looks on paper. The, the addition of the, the second round pick this year, Adderley is one that everybody is ranting and raving about. Um, he, he's got so much versatility that they can move him all over the place and be the true free safety that the team has lacked since Eric Weddle was around. Um, so if the secondary can be as good as it looks like it could be, then the defense is going to be extremely tough. I think, The Chargers' success this year all comes down to the offensive line. They're they're essentially going with the same group they had last year, you know, unless Pipkins can can crack the starting lineup. But if he can't, it'll be pretty much the same guys they had last year. One guy to look out for is Forrest Lamp. He is supposedly going to get every opportunity to earn a starting job this year. He's a guy that people were thrilled to be able to get in a 2017 draft, and he's barely touched the field since so i think if he can be as good as he looked like he could be at one point then the offensive line could be better this year but that that's going to determine how far the charges go this year if, it, if the offensive line can't be better than it was last year they they could end up looking at the same kind of result that they had
0: well i mean i know that force lamp uh tore an acl uh in 2017 which ruined uh aka yes. torpedoed his uh his rookie campaign but what was it that kept him off the field last year did he get hurt again
1: no he didn't get he didn't get hurt again he just the, the only thing that coaches would really say is that he just wasn't ready i mean he was he didn't even dress for all but like two games oh wow so they they just didn't feel and when when you look at the guys who did you know who did dress it's just like wow well, how how bad can this guy be <laughs> so he really started to question if he's just going to be a complete bust at that point so Hopefully, he's ready to get on the field and give it a go this year.
0: Yeah, because this is a second round pick, right? If he was a second round pick? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, and, and a guy in some teams had a first round grade right on. Sure,
0: sure. I remember that, that, you know, seeing some mock drafts, he was a mid to late round first pick, depending on who was actually doing the mock draft and where they saw the needs for a particular team. It was not uncommon to see his name showing up uh, in the first round, and the Chargers were thrilled to be able to get him in the second round.
1: Yeah, they thought they got the steal of the draft, and, and so did a lot of the fans. and It certainly hasn't panned out that way.
0: Right. So um, anything else that we can look forward to in 2019, a, a, a storyline, something that we need to keep our eyes on?
1: Whether or not Hunter Henry can get back. That's, ah. that's another huge key to the season. Having, having him not on the field last year was a huge hindrance to the team as much as everybody loves antonio gates and always will he's just not going to be able to do the things he used to be able to do and he just wasn't what hunter henry could have been last year so having him back this year is going to be able to expand that offense he's a tight end that can threaten the defense unlike pretty much every other tight end on the roster so If he can get back to 100%, then it's going to be a very dangerous passing attack.
0: How close did he come to playing in that uh, division round? Because there was some talk about him being activated, he's practicing with the team uh, and everything. Did he come close at all, or was that all just hype to maybe make the opponent look at the right hand and didn't know what the left was doing?
1: He actually did play in that game. He did? Okay. Um, He he only saw limited snaps, and I think – the Chargers threw him in there more of a decoy than anything else, just sure. to try to keep the Patriots on their toes. But he wasn't, you know, anywhere ready to be on the field, and at least not as a, you know, offensive threat.
0: Right. Yeah. Again, I didn't get the chance to to watch that game. Or at least by the time that I was able to watch it, it was already thirty-five to seven. I mean, what was the point <laughs> that then? So yeah, yeah. And I didn't know it all. I, I noticed that. I remember that they were talking about him. I didn't hear whether or not he was activated, but he did, in fact, play in that game for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was the only game he played all year. Wow. And,
0: yeah, because he, he tore his ACL, what, midway through 2017?
1: Yeah. Uh, he tore it in, like, the first couple days of OTAs last May. Oh,
0: that's right. So, that's right. Yeah, he did it in OTAs. That's it. So he he was on that, uh, that super advanced... Uh, uh, training schedule to get back. He was back in less than what eight months, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. He really gave it a go, and they were even trying to get him on the field toward the end of the regular season. But right, you know, it's. I think we all saw what happened to Kevin Durant last night. So uh, <laughs> it's probably best they didn't.
0: I. Uh, you know what? Just to, on a, on a tangent, real quick. Everyone's trying to give Toronto some shade for the way that they reacted to Durant going down. I mean. Yeah. Was it really so awful what they did? You know, they they cheered a guy that was playing for the other team and they saw he wasn't coming back or anything. I, I you know it's not it's not ideal, but really was it as awful as everyone is making it sound to be?
1: I think when I think the way it was portrayed on T V it kinda did look okay. awful at first. But you know, after you sit back and you try to put yourself in that position, I mean you're in you're in a close out game and a chance to win your first ever nba championship you you might not necessarily be cheering the fact that the man is hurt and you definitely don't know how severely he is hurt right you may just be cheering in the heat of the moment you may just be cheering the fact that hey we've got a much better chance to win this now
0: yeah well i mean cuz they did make all of the all the hype in the world about the fact he was playing last night yeah. and how that how that increased their chances of making a series out of it with Durant back and didn't he come out firing on all cylinders in the beginning of that game yeah yeah he was so, the I mean, best
1: player out there well there you go the so
0: order. and then he goes down and he can't play anymore like hey well that's fantastic good for us mm-hmm. he's not coming back right. so i understand where people are coming from but at the same time to make it sound like now toronto is a fan-based cesspool i think is unfair so <laughs>
1: oh um, yeah absolutely
0: yeah so we look at the the schedule real quick before i let you go here uh travis and and um you, you've got some uh, interesting matchups looks like you have the uh, what do you have the AFC South this year yeah yep. AFC South yep. and obviously the NFC North that's why we're talking. Uh, you start mm-hmm. uh, at home with the the Colts that'll be a tough game uh, on the road to Detroit home for the Texans so you got two playoff games in uh, the first three matchups then you're at Miami where you'll face the guy that you you might have almost traded for uh in mm-hmm. if well actually in fact if Rosen is starting at that point. Right now it sounds like it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's job to lose. Right. Then you're on uh your home for the Broncos, then your first national T V game week six at home for the Steelers, then back to back road games at Tennessee, then at Chicago, week eight to take on the uh Bears. When you look at those first uh eight games, what what do you think of the schedule?
1: I think it's fairly tough. I mean you've got the Colts who are a candy Super Bowl pick all of a sudden to start out with. Um I think the next three games would all be winnable. Um you know the you got the Broncos coming to Los Angeles and those divisional games you never really know what to expect in the AFC West. Right. Um I didn't see the Bears being a contender last year. Maybe you did. No. That came out of completely nowhere for yeah. me. Um, but looking at them now, you know, <laughs> I know we're just talking about the. I know we're just talking about the first half of this schedule, but I, I think that you know, the, and it's a road game in Chicago with that eleven a.m. start time, which those West Coast teams don't really seem to care for. I, I think that's probably the most difficult game on the schedule for them.
0: Right, and you know what? It's. I, I was going to mention that you know you do have some daunting games in the first half of the year, aside from the road game in. Chicago all of your tough games are at home but we saw that the Chargers were a 500 team at home last year so that's not necessarily a good thing that your tough games are at home this year
1: right and it all goes back to that not really having that home field advantage I mean because they were always a lot better when they played in San Diego right just haven't ever felt comfortable in Los Angeles
0: yeah it would appear so um but to, to answer your question Uh, Did I think the Bears were going to be contenders last year? Contenders that they were? No, absolutely not. I did not think that was possible. I I thought that we would be much improved, especially on the offensive side, considering that we had no offensive talent to surround our rookie quarterback with, and then we went out and basically bought ourselves an offense uh, in in free agency last year. And I thought that the Khalil Mack trade would – would give us something very special on offense on defense while our offense worked to figure it out. I still thought eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. What I did not factor in and what I don't think anyone factored in was the effect that our head, our new head coach would have on the team and how he would get them to play together. And that culture that he seemed to bring, uh, to Chicago with him, that everybody bought in, everybody responded, and then one game, one win, snowballed into another, and another, and another, and the next thing you know, we are serious contenders in the NFC North, mm-hmm. walking away with the division, and and uh, you know, if we make that field goal against Philadelphia, sky's the limit for what the Bears could have done uh, in the NFC playoffs uh, last year. So, I mean, this year it's every every the arrows pointing up, everyone's expecting the moon uh, from the Bears. Uh, This year, which is either going to pay off big or it's going to end up in a huge disappointment uh, for us uh, as uh, as Bear fans. So um, but looking at the second half of the schedule for you guys, uh, you got uh, some tough games ahead. You got uh, your home for the Packers at the Raiders on Thursday night football. So the quick turnaround there and then home for the Chiefs on Monday night football. You finally get your bye week. Week 12 is super late bye week and then you finish at Denver, at Jacksonville, home for the Vikings on Sunday night, home for the Raiders, and then finish at Kansas City week 17, which if everything plays out the way they did last year, that might be the most important game on the schedule.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they had lost nine games in a row to the Chiefs last year before they beat them on Thursday night football in Arrowhead, and I think that that win can carry over into this season and you know the Chargers know that they can I mean that team that they, they did that without Keenan Allen they did that without Hunter Henry um they, they they were able to win that game without some of their key players and they pulled it out in the you know final basically on the final play of the game
0: yeah yeah so
1: you know the the emotion that came from that win and it's, it's something that the team can really build on because the Chiefs were just a major bump in the road for the Chargers for many years and you know the Chiefs have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and so they're going to be there. They're going to be tough to beat. And you're right that that game in the end could be for all the marvels.
0: Yeah, I mean it could. But basically, what it ended up being last year was the winners got home field. The losers got to be a wild card team. You know, mm-hmm. a 12 and four road team in the wild card to maybe a 10 and six raven team uh last year i still wish the nfl would fix that i don't really don't think that that's fair like winning the division that should be an automatic bid in but it shouldn't get you a home playoff game i don't i don't believe if you don't have the better record you should go on the road
1: yeah i don't think there'd be too much argument to that it's it's something i've expected to see happen for many years and for whatever reason they still want to give more weight to the division winners
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I, I remember what 2010, the the Rams and the Seahawks played Week 17 for the right to be the first losing division champion in the history of divisional football. It, the The loser was seven and nine and made the playoffs and got to host a wild card game the following week. It's like that's and, and, and won that game. Yeah, they beat the the Saints. That that was the beast mode. Uh, game but yep. the saints i believe were like 10 and 6 11 and 5 on a game that was three or four games or, or against a team that was three or four games worse than they were and having to play in that crazy ass stadium and ended up losing that uh football game so i guess you could you could argue either way on that one it's like well look what it did for the seahawks who were seven and nine they won a playoff game and blah 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 right. and like well look what it did to the saints they should have been at home <laughs> with their home field advantage and had to go on the road to this crazy place and so on and so forth so you could argue on either side in in that one particular game uh for that uh for that uh, little resolution that we'd like to see um help right. out so you know it's it, the chargers are a very intriguing team uh to me because they were kind of overshadowed last year by the chiefs and everything that mahomes and and the offense there in kansas city was was doing you also had brady and belichick doing their thing so the. Even though they were winning pretty much week in and week out, the Chargers were very much under under the radar. And even though those that were clo- following closely kind of knew that something co- potentially could happen with this team, no one was really paying attention to them. And then they get onto the national spotlight in that uh, playoff game against the, the Patriots and basically did not live up to, to what we were expecting them to do. Uh, in that game. What are you expecting in general from this team in, in 2019? Can they pull it off and go farther, or or will they, uh, will they fall short in the end?
1: Uh, they definitely can pull it off and go farther. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think the offensive line is going to dictate whether or not they will. Um, I think those two teams that we've talked a lot about, the Chiefs and the Patriots, are going to be the teams that if it's not the Chargers, it could be one of those. I know a lot of people want to talk about the Browns and even the Colts, but I think the Chargers are a lot better than both of those teams, and I really think that if they can find a way to get over the hump, just looking at the talent on the roster, I think the Chargers have the best roster in the AFC. It's just a matter of finding a way to win those tough games that they've just failed at so many times in the past.
0: Yeah, now what uh, what is Anthony Lynn kind of bringing to the table there? I mean, obviously his his coaching career last year in 2017 got off to a rocky start with that 1-4 and four start, but they ended up winning, what, 8 out of 9 to close out the year to almost make the playoffs uh, in 2017. And then another rocky start at 1-2, and two, but let's be fair, those two losses were to the Chiefs and the Rams in the first three weeks of the season, two teams that would have a lot to say about how the NFL turned out uh, last year, before they went on a run, and they beat the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead, uh, in, in in everything like that. And you know what? What has Anthony Lynn kind of brought to the table to be able to rally this team around the slow starts that they've had the last two years?
1: Well, he just brings that you know winning kind of experience. He played for some very successful teams with the Broncos that you know ended up getting getting to the Super Bowl and winning it, and. He's a relatable coach. That's what all the players say. They, you know, before him they had Mike McCoy, and I don't think the players really related to him. And he just brings that relatable, experienced, and and he knows what it takes to win. And he's really he's got a system that the team is just really buying into. The players are really buying into it. And he's he is exactly the coach that the team kind of coach the team needed. And. I think a lot of people were surprised by the hire when they brought him in, but he is he's paid off big time for them, and you know i think I think he's got them going in the right direction and they've all they're all buying into it
0: well i think that's i think it's great um i for anyone that can come in and unseat the patriots is would be a favorite team <laughs> uh, of <laughs> yeah. mine like i'm I'm like uh, you know beating a dead horse here on on my show anytime that I talk to you know, the last several years, especially they've made three Super Bowls in a row. Anytime I'm talking yeah. to, to an AFC team, please, for the love of God, put it together and beat New England so we can stop watching the the Patriots in this win or lose. I don't care. I would rather that the Patriots not make it at all rather than watch them lose in the Super Bowl. I'd like to see the AFC represented by someone else. And, uh, you know, like when we, we talked a, b- a little earlier uh, in the show about how the core of this Charger team is signed through 2021 Uh, Regardless of what happens with Rivers and um, Melvin Gordon and and their fate uh, in the future, they've pretty much got it together. That this roster that you're such that you have such high regard for is going to be together for a while. So the Chargers might have something to say about what's going on in the AFC for years to come.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the expectation at this point. And you talked about you know Bears fans, you know, being being ready for the moon. And, and and the same thing is true with these Chargers. I mean, it's a lot of people think it's it's this is going to be the year, or or they're extremely close to having it be the year. And I don't think fans are really going to settle for anything less than that right now. They they think this is the team, and on paper it certainly looks like it could be.
0: Yeah, well, fingers crossed that it would. I mean, the uh, the one thing I love so much about the NFC is that there's basically a new champion every year so every year is a new opportunity for a team to step up in the afc it's can someone beat the patriots and it's kind of a boring thing the way it eventually always kind of plays out uh, in the end. So any shakeup in the AFC, even if God forbid, it is the Browns would be a welcome one for this guy. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, any time that it won't be the Patriots, you know what? I would like to see them not make the AFC championship game. That would be nice yeah. as well. I was hoping the Patriots would, alle- or excuse me, the chargers would alleviate us of that. In the you know yeah. another AFC championship game with the Patriots, they've played in like eight in a row. It's getting ridiculous over there. They need to figure it out on the AFC side and, and clear up some room. Even if if your Broncos can be the team and come from out of nowhere and do that with Vic Fangio and his defense and and, and whatnot, uh, that would be nice as well.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, like you say, I, I don't think anybody outside of that New England area would. Would be opposed to seeing the Patriots go down as early as
0: possible, right? <laughs> yeah, or regardless the, of
1: who does it, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right. So, oh, God, a guy can pray, can he? So, uh, <laughs> but uh, Travis, I appreciate you taking out the time, man, to help us uh, talk about these uh, this intriguing Chargers team, and I look forward to seeing what they're uh, going to be able to to pull off uh, this season. So, we got you guys week number eight. So I hope to have you back on uh, to preview the game week eight to see where we're at uh, at that point in the year and uh, just what these teams are, might have to do to beat one another that, that game.
1: Sure, I'd love to do that.
0: All right, Travis Wakeman from Bolts Beat uh, for com. Travis, you write for a few other sites. Where else can we see your work?
1: Uh, Broncos Wire, which is a site owned by USA Today. i do some do some writing for the Broncos over there. Sure. So you can check that out as well. Anywhere else? That's it right now. All right.
0: Okay. So and where can we find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, just my name, Travis Wakeman, the number 10.
0: Travis Wakeman, 10 on Twitter uh, to follow him and uh, his writings for the Broncos Wire and for Bolt's Beat for the Chargers. Travis, thanks so much for uh, for coming on, man. We'll talk to you again real soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Remember, guys, promo code ACAA for $20 off your first ticket purchase at SeatGeek and promo code BEARS100 for a 50% deposit bonus on your uh, on your first deposit at MyBookie. So I uh, want to thank to our sponsors. I want to thank Travis Wakeman for coming on to the show and, and being a real trooper, man, uh, about, uh, you know, he is a beat writer for the Chargers, but... Unlike the other guests that we've had thus far, he's just a beat writer for the Chargers. He's not necessarily a Chargers fan. So it was uh as you uh, as you can see maybe not as animated uh a, a a an interviewer because he's not as passionate about the Chargers as he is about his native Broncos. He lives in Colorado. So uh but nonetheless, he definitely knew what we needed to you know, definitely able to answer all of our questions, help us find out what we needed to know uh about the Chargers and uh didn't take away from the fact that the chargers are definitely one of the more intriguing teams in the afc and like i mentioned to to travis when i was looking up to see how the team's contracts are all structured the the the, the bulk of this football team the core of this team is going to be together until 2021 at least so it uh, could be something that the chargers have uh, a lot to say about the fate of the afc uh, for years to come so uh Uh, We'll be interested to see how they uh, turn out and very interested to see where the Chargers are at when they come to Soldier Field week number eight uh, to take on our beloved Chicago Bears and and see if that uh, that noon kickoff start, which would be 10 a.m. West Coast time, how that might affect the Chargers and uh, who are usually playing uh, games that start at 1 p.m. West Coast, 3 p.m. here in the Midwest. So maybe that'll be something uh to our advantage and and maybe mother nature could drum up uh, some kind of rainstorm or or some bitterly cold october weekend day or something like that to to throw off those southern california boys so uh, maybe that could be something that she could help us out with we'll, we'll we'll see you know we usually don't ask mother nature for such things but if she could if she could do something like that then you know i wouldn't be unhappy about that so up next, uh, part four of the AFC West preview. We will conclude our preview of the AFC West with the best that the AFC West had to offer last year in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Greg Florkowski of the Arrowhead Addict, also from fansata.com, will be joining us uh, to talk about the, the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that AFC championship game and how that last drive in overtime must have felt to watch... The defense seemingly powerless against Brady and the offense as they just marched down the field uh, and put that touchdown in the end zone to, to put an end to that magical season that the Chiefs had, um, you know, with, with the way that uh, Mahomes played his first year uh, as the starter and, and how magical they were on offense, just racking up the points. We'll talk about that Monday night game uh, that they were on the winning side of against the uh, the no, they lost to the Rams, didn't they? Yeah, fifty-four to fifty-one. They lost that game. They were on the losing side of that game. But fifty-one points and you lose. That's that's gotta suck, man. But uh, you know, we'll talk about that game and and everything that was the MVP season uh, for Mahomes and and what moves did the Chiefs make during the off and in the draft to prepare themselves for twenty nineteen uh, to try to uh, get themselves back to where they were and then finish the mission and get themselves to to South Beach to Miami for the super bowl uh super bowl 54 so um we'll have um greg on the show to uh to, to talk to us uh, about that and then uh from there we move on to the nfc east we start with the giants then we'll have the uh the redskins then the eagles then the cowboys to finish things off before we move on to the nfc north with the uh the packers the lions the vikings and our beloved chicago bears to wrap up Uh, this journey so we are five episodes into the 14 opponent preview episodes that we have and here we are it's practically mid-June already it's the 12th when most of you will be listening to this June 12th so almost midway point uh, of the month when uh, Greg Florkowski and the Chiefs episode drops on Friday it will be the 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 middle uh, of June and uh, we'll finish off the month with the the, uh, the, with the NFC East, that will be the second half of June, and then the first half of uh, July will be the NFC North, the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, and the uh, Vikings. So if you guys have any questions, maybe we can do a quick mailbag, something like that uh, for our news and notes uh, as we go through. Uh, feel free to send those to me at BTU underscore Larry on Twitter or send them to the Facebook page just search bears talk underground uh join the group uh join the discussion and um you know give me your thoughts on the uniform for the 1936 throwback i had deep feelings about the the socks pretty much just killed the whole thing for me because you can't stop looking at the socks somebody i uh somebody put a picture of the (laughs) from the the witch from the wizard of oz that had the house fall on her those are what the socks reminded him of (laughs) that's pretty good uh, so yeah you know was it that bad for you uh, I think that uh, maybe if we didn't go with our with our modern socks look like we'll stick with the navy blue socks with the orange stripes but only have there be like three stripes as opposed to 30 as it rolls down uh, the entire leg there so maybe that could be something that we would do instead of the hideousness that was those piffy long stock stockings that the Bears are going to be wearing against the Vikings and the uh, Cowboys uh, this year so anyway we'll be back on Friday with the Kansas City Chiefs to wrap up the AFC West so until then my name is Larry D and this has been Bears Talk Underground